Welcome to Seeing Beyond Risk, a podcast series from the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. I'm Chris Fivoli, Staff Actuary, Communications and Public Affairs at the CIA. July 1st marks the turnover date for the CIA leadership. As Michelle Saint-Germain's term comes to an end, Jackie Friedland begins her tenure as CIA president for the 21-22 year. Jackie joins us today to talk about her plans for the coming year. So thanks very much for coming on the episode today. I'm delighted to be here. So looking ahead to the coming year, as we slowly get back to normal, what, what things are you most looking forward to? Ah, the question we've all been speaking and thinking about for ages. As I began to prepare for this podcast on Sunday afternoon of Victoria Day weekend, that evening I asked this first question, what are you most looking forward to doing again, to my family, including my husband's parents, who we were allowed to have for dinner on our backyard deck, six feet away for the first time in ages, given all the restrictions in Ontario. And traveling was the first thing my husband and his parents said. Then my husband spoke about participating in sports teams again. He can't wait to get back to his ultimate and hockey teams and going to sporting events, the TFC, the Blue Jays, the Raptors. And with equal enthusiasm, my husband and his parents spoke about going to concerts and plays. I also thought of travel first, but not in the way that they thought of it. They want to get back to exploring the world. And I'm not in such a hurry to do that, to be honest. I tend to be extremely risk averse, so I'm not in a hurry to travel just like we used to. I want to see my son in BC, who I haven't seen since January 2020, and I want to see my mother and siblings and my nieces and nephews in the US. But with vaccine rates of just around 30% in Georgia, I'm not rushing home quite yet. And I so terribly want hugs from friends and family beyond those that just live in my house and my bubble. And next, I want to get back to dancing. For me, the pandemic started when I was on a salsa dancing trip in Cuba with my husband. We left Toronto on Friday night, March 6th. I remember chuckling with one of the younger members of our group whose mother had insisted she wear a mask at the airport. And I returned on Saturday, March 14th, my husband coming home a few days earlier. And every day of that vacation, we watched on our phones as the world seemed to shut down. The stock market took a deep dive. Cruise ships were stranded at sea. Borders were closed, businesses sent employees home, and quarantine requirements were instituted for return travelers, which Tom and I came home to. Thus, to me, it will really feel over when I can return to dance. And after dancing, I want to meet with my book club in person. I want to see my actuarial colleagues and meet new ones in person. And I will happily join my husband at sporting events and concerts and theaters. And I do have some travel already booked to San Francisco for a girl's trip the first weekend of December, and in late December, a trip to London with my husband and any of our sons who want to join us. So that's what I'm looking forward to personally. Oh, that sounds good. Let's hope we get back to normal sooner than later. Let's take a few minutes and talk about diversity, because this is an issue that you have championed during your time as president-elect. Can you share with us what initiatives you plan to pursue in this area over the next 12 months? Certainly. I'm thrilled by all that we've accomplished this past year. I believe we're in a really good place today, knowing what our strengths are and our weaknesses in this area. I like to think about issues related to DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, in the context of how can we take quick, decisive action to address important matters today, and what seeds do we need to plant now to ensure success in this area in the long term as well. For example, we need to increase the diversity in our speakers now. And by this, I refer not just to the moderator of panels, but to those who speak on the panels as subject matter experts. 
The critical message I learned last year in attending the annual International Association of Black Actuaries, IABA conference, and in reading and listening to much about racial issues in particular, is the importance of seeing yourself in your profession. Thus, when students go to career fairs, they need to see themselves in those who are speaking about being an actuary. Similarly, when actuarial candidates and young actuaries go to actuarial conferences, whether it's for continuing professional development or networking or other purposes, they need to see themselves in the subject matter experts that speak on panels. And this is going to continue to be a high priority for me. I want the CIA to track the demographics of our speakers at conferences, webinars, workshops, et cetera. This year, I also want to ensure that we take diversity of our membership into consideration as we think about succession planning of our committee and council chairs and other CIA leadership roles. And these are two examples where we can have some immediate effects. From a longer term perspective, I'm entirely committed to the CIA hosting in partnership with the IABA, a virtual program for Take Our Kids to Work Day this fall, targeted at a middle school in Western Canada with a significant indigenous population. We will run this as a pilot so we can test and learn and then be able to expand the offerings in future years, hopefully running in person in Toronto and Montreal at schools with high proportion of black students, while also continuing to run in Western Canada. I have told the CIA and IABA during several calls that I will really feel like I failed if we don't make this happen in 2021, especially since we've been speaking about it since the fall of 2020. To ensure proper oversight and that DEI remains a high priority, we will be creating a DEI advisory group this summer. Its mandate will include identifying opportunities for the CIA to improve DEI elements, to determine requirements for any short-term working groups or task forces that are needed, to set goals and targets related to DEI, to monitor key performance indicators and metrics, to evaluate change efforts and outcomes, and finally to champion issues and activities related to DEI within the membership. In closing on this topic, I wanna to share that I truly believe this past year has changed us in a profound and meaningful way that gets to our core. I feel that we, the CIA volunteers and professional staff, do not see DEI as something passing, but instead its importance is making its way into our DNA, into the way we think, operate, interact, carry out the business of the CIA. At our June board meeting, we would have discussed proposed changes for the wording of our vision, mission, and values that better reflect the importance of diversity and inclusion, as well as our educational plans. We continue to learn from guest speakers and from attending other organizations' events and reading on the topic. We call one another out in a constructive manner. We are learning and we're getting better. And I'm so proud to have been part of this change. We've announced some very exciting changes when it comes to education. Can you give us your perspective on this? And what changes will the CIA start working on this coming year? I couldn't be more excited about our plans for the three educational pathways. Over the past months, we've held numerous sessions with stakeholders, employers, regulators, workers' comp boards across Canada, actuarial associations in the U.S. and around the world. We are often told that our excitement could be felt through the little Zoom boxes on the screen. This has been a very long time coming. The CIA leadership, its volunteers and professional staff have spoken about the need to have a Made in Canada route to fellowship for decades. We're the only major national actuarial organization in the world without its own path. Regardless of all the historic discussions, now is the right time. The work of the actuary continues to evolve and is changing 
rapidly as technology continues to advance at warp speed. What one needs to know to be successful in the future is changing. And furthermore, the delivery of education and the assessment of the knowledge gained from that education is changing, especially given the experience of the past year and a half with COVID. For our Pathway 1 to Fellowship, that 100% Canadian route, the CIA has an incredible opportunity of starting with a clean slate. We will be able to partner with our universities who are experts in teaching students how to learn. And I want to diverge for a minute and speak about this being taught how to learn. We had a great family discussion at that dinner I referred to earlier with my husband's parents. My father-in-law, who's a former dean of the U of T Law School, and my mother-in-law, who is a former head of occupational therapy at U of T, had a very engaging discussion with my 20-year-old son and his girlfriend, who had both just returned from Montreal in their year of virtual learning at McGill University. They spoke about their classes and how they learned how to learn, and that the importance of that in today's world when so much information is at our fingertips. At the CIA, we intend to build on the strong university relationships of the past decade to expand the UAP from an exam mapping type of credit to recognition of the entire degree for the basis of associateship, supplemented with an associate module, capstone exam, and the professionalism workshop. We'll then work with educational experts, including Canadian universities and other organizations who are in the business of education to create the fellowship modules and exams. We will engage members as volunteers, utilizing their subject matter expertise in the fellowship tracks, not to write or grade exam questions as, as historical models have done, but instead our member volunteers will supplement the work of educational professionals. There's a ton of work to be done as the cohort of students entering university this fall will be eligible to follow pathway one if they so choose. We have work to do on our syllabus, on updating CIA policies and program accreditation for the universities. We have RFPs to issue and evaluate for our professional partners and the list goes on and on. I am very confident in our educational professional staff at the CIA and the Education and Qualification Council, the EQC, and I welcome all members who are interested in becoming involved in this very important work to please reach out to me personally or the CIA office directly. Okay, sounds good. I want to talk about two other topics now that are attracting a lot of attention in the actuarial world, and that's climate change and the emergence of predictive analytics. So how do you see these items fitting into your agenda as CIA president? So today I want to speak about both of these primarily from an education perspective. We could spend hours, even days, speaking about how these two topics are changing our world, how they will change our profession, and what we should be doing from an advocacy perspective. For example, ethical biases and in artificial intelligence and the disparate effect of climate change. There are conferences dedicated to these important topics. But for today, let me focus most of my comments on education and what I would like to see during my term as president of the CIA. With respect to predictive analytics, I want to step back a few months. In the late fall of 2020, the board formed a predictive analytics working group. And at the March 2021 board meeting, this working group made a presentation, including recommendations, with three key must-do items around branding and education, and five quick-win items to create immediate awareness, engagement, and effectiveness, all of the recommendations tied to the CIA's strategic goals. At that March meeting, the board accepted all the recommendations of the working group and made a commitment to raise the strategic importance of enhancing and promoting predictive analytics and applications for all actuaries, 
and to begin to do so for the next operational planning cycle. We've already seen action on that commitment in the program, program offerings at the Act 21 conference, as well as in the jointly sponsored predictive analytics conference with the CAS and SOA held in mid-June. This was a one-day content-packed event that brought together practitioners from Life, Health, and PNC for an in-depth look at the way actuaries are using predictive analytics to drive business outcomes. I firmly believe that we will be able to incorporate much more depth in the area of predictive analytics in our new Pathway 1, that Made in Canada route to FCIA, with the delivery of education and assessment of education through the universities. Delivering and assessing education and predictive analytics cannot be done in the old-fashioned ways of paper and pen exams. Candidates need access to big data sets as well as programming and data visualization tools, and we believe that the universities are best suited for this. With respect to climate change, much of the literature I'm now reading, insurance and actuarial literature, categorizes the risks as transition, physical, and liability. In their recent discussion paper on climate-related risks, OSFI defines each of these three risks. And actuaries, and PNC ones in particular, are very familiar with physical and liability risks. Physical risk arises from a changing climate where we see increased frequency and severity of events such as ice storms and wildfires, wind events, rising sea levels, etc. Liability risk is the potential exposure to the risks associated with climate-related litigation. Think of the Florida Keys no longer being habitable and the lawsuits that could arise from home and business owners. Finally, transition risk stems from efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, GHG, as the economy shifts towards a lower GHG footprint. Transition risks can emerge due to current or future government policies, as well as changes in investor and consumer behaviors. And with respect to transition risk, I believe we're seeing tremendous examples of this category of risk almost every day. Transitions that some expected to take decades are coming now at record pace. For example, I want to read from the headline news I woke up to on the morning of May 27th. The title of the political article was, and I quote, powerful signal in a single day, big oil suffers historic blows on climate change. And I'll read from the first little paragraph. In the space of a few hours, ExxonMobil Corp was bested by an upstart shareholder seeking to shake up the company's board. Chevron Corp investors instructed the company to cut its greenhouse gas emissions. A Dutch court oiled Royal Dutch Shell to slash emissions by 45%. And while the oil industry was taking its hits, longtime ally Ford Motor Company widened its distance from fossil fuels. The pace of this change is almost mind-numbing. <laughs> With respect to climate change and our education of actuaries, my comments are similar to those on predictive analytics. I see an important role for Canadian universities. So much is happening so fast, and many Canadian universities have programs and or centers of excellence related to this subject. In shaping our Made in Canada pathway to fellowship, we will be able to include the best material on the syllabus and determine how to best deliver and assess that material. We're incredibly fortunate now to have a wealth of material to select from. New papers from the International Actuarial Association, the International Association of Insurance Supervisors, from numerous bodies in Europe and in Canada. And we, we have a treasure of choice, a situation that was not true in the past. And again, I want to emphasize in both of these areas, predictive analytics and climate change, I don't believe that the CIA needs to recreate any wheels. 
Instead, I want us to leverage existing material and partner with others. We have much we can add to the discussion and we need to collaborate and we need to approach our work in an agile way, testing and learning and pivoting as needed. As you and I both know, the success of the CIA depends very much on the engagement of our members and their volunteer efforts. So I was hoping you could share how this has been instrumental in your career and what advice do you have for members that are looking to get involved? So I'm a people person and I get energy from my interactions with others, whether it's my family, social circles, at work, or when volunteering. If I look back to my early days as an actuarial student, I always studied in groups, feeding on that energy to keep me going. And after becoming a fellow, I was quick to volunteer on exam and other education committees. And when I moved to Canada more than 20 years ago, I looked for opportunities to volunteer and get involved with the CIA. I will share a story of actually how I first got involved in the CIA. I remember attending a CIA conference. I think it was an AA seminar. I had been in Canada less than a year at the time and did not have much of a network at all. I don't remember the exact subject matter of the session, though I do recall it was a plenary session and there were a lot of people in a giant room. And the speakers on the panel kept talking about materiality. It kept coming up in their speaking. And I stood up and I walked over to one of the mics in the aisles. I introduced myself and I asked the speakers to please expand on what was materiality and what did they mean? I recall that no one could give a very clear answer. And at the time there was no guidance written on the subject in the CIA literature. There and then I volunteered to lead a group to draft a paper on the topic, a paper that remains on the CAS exam syllabus to this day. So that raised hand led to countless other opportunities. So one piece of advice I would give to others is if you see a need, raise your hand. If you don't understand something, ask a question. And if you're not satisfied with the answer, get involved to make it better. When asked for advice about getting involved, about volunteering, all the usual things ring so true. It's a terrific way to build your network. You get more than you give. It provides great intellectual stimulation. Many of my closest friends are those who I volunteered with. I look at my women's book club, which has been running for more than a decade and includes many actuaries who I've worked or volunteered with. And this book club, this group of women has stayed stronger than ever through the year of COVID thanks to Zoom. And my life has been greatly enriched by knowing and sharing times with all of these people. So let's wrap up with a final question. When we sit down again a year from now in June 2022, what accomplishments do you hope that you can look back upon this past year? So I love this question as it forced me to sit down and make a list. And I love lists, particularly to-do lists. So next June, I want to look back at the year and see the following. A fantastic take our kids to work day with plans for the fall of 2022 and an even stronger partnership with the IABA, that extends beyond Alicia and me and the leadership of the Toronto and Montreal chapters of the IABA. I wanna see a relationship that extends across more members of both organizations. And I also want employers in Canada to be using the HR guide that the IABA created in 2020, which is outstanding. I wanna to begin to see interest from indigenous youth in our profession as a result of our outreach and that of the AFC. I wanna see more diversity in speakers at all CIA events and a system of DEI metrics that are being used to help guide decision-making and action. I wanna to plan to make changes that result in more women staying in the profession, recognizing that this is a big issue and one that the CIA is likely not responsible for all on its own, is there are far more societal issues that are driving part of this. 
I want to see significant progress for the new Made in Canada pathway, including the banking path and more climate change material on our syllabus. I want us to be progressing well on our commitments to predictive analytics. I want to begin work on succession planning for CIA leadership, board, committee, councils, as I see this as a potential operational weakness that needs some attention. And a new issue that I just learned about this week is related to gender and gender fluidity and recent related court decisions. I expect we will set up a board task force to begin looking at this and beginning to understand the implications to actuarial work in Canada, research, standards of practice, and educational guidance. So that's a good list that should certainly keep me busy over the next 12 months. Yeah, it certainly does sound like a busy year. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today to talk about all this. It's been my pleasure. We now have several dozen episodes in our podcast series, so we certainly encourage you all to subscribe, and you can do so through Spotify, Apple, or whatever platform you use to get your podcast content. If you like today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating or a comment, and we would like to hear from you, so please send any suggestions or episode ideas to podcasts at cia-ica.ca. As well, we're always looking for content for our Seeing Beyond Risk blog. So if you have some ideas you would like to share, please send them to us at seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Fiboli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.